Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 115, the Black Maternity Experience Survey. Sometimes a topic comes up and there's just too much on. I can't get to it. And today's topic is exactly that. The Black Maternity Experience Survey was published back in the summer. I think it was around June, July time. I remember it came out and I was sat on a train, a train up to London. I was off to a meeting. I was reading the report on the train journey and sat across from me were two lively black young women chatting about their lives, what they're about to go and do, their hair, their nails, their boyfriends, full of life and enjoyment. And I felt really self-conscious as I sat reading the report Why? Why, just because of the colour of their skin, would their maternity experiences, when they come to be pregnant and have children, be so different and so poor in comparison to others? It was incredibly important to me to cover this topic. But at that point... I just felt swamped. I had too much on. I was just about keeping my head above water and I couldn't possibly read it, absorb it and talk about it. But I always knew it was something I wanted to come back to. So here is today's episode. This report to me is groundbreaking and It's really important and if you haven't heard of it or you haven't read it and you're working in maternity care, then you need to. You absolutely need to. When I read the introduction to the report, the note from the founders of Five Times More, it tells me something that I already knew and was very worried about. So what they say is that they set up five times more in around 2018 in response to the Embrace report that black women were five times more likely to die than white women. And in the wake of that report and setting up five times more and doing all the amazing work they've been doing, they realised that Actual data 
on black women's experience of maternity care was non-existent. Now, I'd realised this in London. Back when I was working at the London Maternity Clinical Network, we used to look at the CQC maternity survey, which at that point was alternate years. We used to look at it to see how were hospitals in London doing? What were the experiences of women receiving maternity care in London? And when the Embrace report came out demonstrating such stark inequality, I asked whether we could analyse the data by ethnicity. This seemed to me to be a blindingly obvious thing to do, as well as being something that would be easily doable. After all, I was working in an unbelievable multicultural environment. London, any number of ethnicities, cultures and communities. It would be easy to collect data in London on black women's experience of maternity care, wouldn't it? I was shocked when the answer came back, no, we couldn't look at it by ethnicity. And I challenged why. And the answer I was told was that the numbers were too small. I couldn't understand that in that as I travel around London, I see enormous numbers of black women on the tube, on the train, on the bus, with little kids, pregnant, young going out and enjoying themselves. So how could the numbers be too small within London to analyse? Well, presumably the answer is that these women don't fill up that survey. And I have had quarrels about that survey in the past. It's relevance when it's an unbelievably old-fashioned postal survey. And when I say I've had quarrels, I've had challenging discussions about this with people in charge of NHS feedback generally. It used to frustrate me that we would send out surveys in March or April to women who'd given birth in February and then we would finally receive our scores and report around November, December time and then the results would be published around January just about time for us to repeat the whole circle again in February. So part of not completing the survey and being able to analyse could be it's just not a very good way of collecting data. But I'm drifting off. Five times more noted this lack of data, this lack of knowledge about black and black mixed women's experience of maternity care. And they, with their organisation, set about doing something about it. I saw it. I saw the calls on social media in April 2021. 
I'm shocked in the report to read that this essential piece of work was self-funded, entirely funded by five times more. Not a penny of research money put into it. And when I read in their introductory note that of the 4.3 million COVID pot for health research from the UKRI, UK Research and Innovation, not a single penny went to black researchers. It makes me glug, it makes me realise the scale of what they're trying to deal with and what we as a population are trying to deal with. How can that be right when we know COVID disproportionately impacted negatively on black and black mixed people? Zero pounds. Moving on to the Maternity Experience Survey, they managed to get 1,300 responses. 1,300. Not too small to count or analyse. 1,300. Amazing. Bravo. They used a survey designed with expert input from black professionals. And they collected both quantitative and qualitative data of women that had accessed NHS maternity services in the last five years, 2016 to 2021. They divided up their findings within a framework, broadly three interrelated categories, attitudes, using offensive and racially discriminating language or being dismissive of concerns. Knowledge, that is poor understanding about the anatomy and physiology of black women or poor understanding of clinical presentation of conditions in babies of black women. And finally, assumptions, racially based assumptions about pain tolerance, education level and relationship status of black women. They divided their data up, black Caribbean being 50% of women identifying as black and black African 45%. And then black mixed women, 24% of the total. So 76% black and 24% black mixed. They also asked people about their religion And 70% of the sample were Christian, with the next biggest group, 20%, having no religion. 92% of respondents were British citizens. 73% had been living in the UK since birth. And 22% had been 10 years or more, with only 4% less than 10 years. So if you're assuming that some of the problems are not about race, but are about immigration, you'd be wrong. These are 
women, born, brought up, British, but just happen to have different colour skin. Interestingly, having been unable to get good data for London in the past, I found it fascinating that 53% of respondents were in fact from London. Starting with the quantitative results, on average, 27% of women surveyed felt they received a poor or very poor standard of care during pregnancy, labour and postnatally. Yet, of those that thought the standard of care was poor or very poor, less than a quarter of them made a formal complaint. More than half the women, 54%, reported facing challenges with healthcare professionals during their maternity care. And 43% of women reported feeling discriminated against during their maternity care, with the most common reasons being race, 51%, ethnicity, 18%, age, 17%, and class, 7%. That's shocking. That means women coming to see us for care during one of the most profoundly vulnerable times in their lives, more than half of them feel that there are challenges and nearly half of them feel discriminated against. To me, as a doctor working in maternity, that is truly shocking and devastating. How can that be right? And the statistics go on and I can't possibly summarise the whole report. But in labour and birth experience, 42% of the women reported feeling the standard of care they received during childbirth was poor or very poor. 36% reported feeling dissatisfied with how their concerns during labour were addressed by professionals. And 43% of black and black mixed women reported their pain relief options were not explained to them. And 52% of women who did not receive their choice of pain relief shared there was no explanation as to why it was not given to them. But for me, the stats are one thing. It's the qualitative information that is the most upsetting. If you take the category of attitudes, reading that black and black mixed women expressed that they were made to feel they were exaggerating symptoms, they were being too dramatic, their symptoms were minimalised or their pains or worries were not taken seriously. Staff making insensitive comments and using offensive language. Things like, the sonographer kept saying my baby had big lips. I found it offensive. People describing their names as being difficult to pronounce. Women experiencing belittling and patronising attitudes with little empathy towards them when they're experiencing pain in labour. Knowledge was highlighted. One black woman was told her epidural had failed 
as the anaesthetic needs to work harder in black women. Another woman's progress in labour was put down to an African pelvis. And then we come to the assumptions. It's interesting reading the report that many of the women were highly educated professional women. Maybe that's selection bias. Maybe these women are more motivated to complete an online survey or feel more able to express their views. There are some awful assumptions highlighted. One woman said, If I turned up in a tracksuit, I would be spoken to in a certain dismissive way until they learnt I was a lawyer. And then they'd be more respectful in my overall experience. There were also assumptions made with black and black mixed women feeling there was inequality in support offered to them in contrast to other women, white women, who were in the same ward as them, or other family members who were white. One black woman described being treated with more courtesy when attending appointments with her husband, who was white, than when she went on her own. And don't get me wrong, amongst the report, there are some positive, good experiences. Women being treated with compassion. Women commenting about people that seemed to genuinely care about their well-being or who went out of their way. One of the positive experiences that I loved in the report was a black woman described the all-women-of-colour labour team as a team on a mission that made her feel well cared for and well looked after. And I absolutely loved that vision in my mind of that team. It's obvious that these attitudes and behaviours are wrong. But the consequences need spelling out, perhaps. The report details increased birth trauma. Perhaps the consequence of not having another child because the experience was so poor. Or difficulty in the immediate postnatal period, feeling confident as a mother. And these poor experiences didn't stop with maternity care. Many black women reported negative interactions with their health visitor and their GP during their recovery. The free text of the survey allowed women to highlight the ways in which they felt maternity care for black and black mixed women could be improved. An overwhelming number stated better communication as a priority. Health professionals to take their concerns seriously, especially those related to pain, and not belittle women or devalue their symptoms. Women expressed the need for training to correct misconceptions about the anatomy and physiology of black and black mixed women and eradicate commonly held racial assumptions about their education level, marital and immigration status, let alone presentation of signs and symptoms and clinical conditions in women and babies 
of black and black mixed ethnic backgrounds. Also the importance of staff to be aware of their unconscious bias and stereotypes and how they may influence their behaviour. And then finally, the urgent need for investment into further research to better understand these disparities. So finally, what are the conclusions of this report? So I think for me, there are several lessons. I think the first thing is to really value the fact that these 1300 odd women have shared their views and they're probably the tip of the iceberg. So we need to take this very seriously and examine what we're doing. Each and every one of us has a responsibility to think what we're doing, but also notice and call out what our colleagues may or may not be doing. I've said in a previous episode, when I see a black woman in clinic sitting in front of me or on the labour board, the first thing that comes into my head is, oh my God, I need to take extra special care of you. And that isn't that I'm not going to take care of everyone else. It means I know I've got to work harder to really listen and really hear and really understand what she's telling me she feels is wrong. I have to be aware that however much I want to treat her equally, I might inadvertently not somehow and therefore I need to really focus on what she's telling me. We need to encourage more people to speak up but we need to make sure that when they do we really use the information they've given us. I'm shocked at the levels of poor care and experience that the women in this report received and I'm conscious that many of them live in London where I practice. And these are the women that have been brave and spoken up and made their voices heard. But what about those that haven't been able to? Sometimes we attribute poor experience to recent immigration, seeking asylum, not being able to speak English, indices of deprivation and disadvantage rather than to race alone. But what's clear in this report is that for these women, this simply isn't true. These are the women born and living amongst us. To all intents and purposes, they are us. They are exactly like my children. The only difference is the colour of their skin. How would you like it if you were reading this report and it was about the care your children, your friends, your family were receiving?
So my zesty bit today is go read the report, understand the report and put the report to good use. Think when you're seeing a black woman in your clinic, what can you do to make sure her experience is better? And are you leaving your assumptions, attitudes at the door? And if you're a pregnant woman listening to this, on the Five Times More website, there's the six steps. Six steps to help you make sure you're getting the best possible maternity care. Step one, speak up. Step two, find an advocate. Step three, seek a second opinion. Step four, trust your gut feeling. Step five, do your research. And step six, document everything. And that can be found on their website, which I'll link to in the programme notes. I very much hope you found this episode of the OBSPOD interesting. If you have, it'd be fantastic if you could subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you find your podcasts, as well as recommending the OBSPOD to anyone you think might find it interesting. There's also tons of episodes to explore in my back catalogue from clinical topics, my career and journey as an obstetrician and life in the NHS more generally. I'd like to assure women I care for that I take confidentiality very seriously and take great care not to use any patient identifiable information unless I have expressly asked the permission of the person involved on that rare occasion when it's been absolutely necessary. If you found this episode interesting and want to explore the subject a little more deeply, don't forget to take a look at the programme notes where I've attached some links. If you want to get in touch to suggest topics for future episodes, you can find me at The Obs Pod on Twitter and Instagram and you can email me theobspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.